good morning and thank you. It is a happy day. Now, I understand if you look outside, it's overcast, it's raining, it's 33 degrees and not sure whether it's snow or whatever. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, it is good to be together as God's people. Our call to worship this morning is taken from the book of Isaiah, the prophet's vision. So let us read responsively and we'll continue to worship the Lord. It begins this way. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's stand together and sing, When peace like a river attendeth my way.
Amen. And have a seat if you would please. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, we've gathered here on site. Those of us uh, able to get out and be here, very thankful for that. And for those of you online, uh, thankful that we can be a part of wherever you are, whether by live stream or by recording, uh, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, together as God's people. Um, I mentioned earlier, we welcome Ivan Brand and friends. These are mu Holland area musicians who love to share good news in Christ and the ministry through music. We're glad for you to be here. I'll, it's a little late for you, but I'll tell you, yesterday was a very important day. I, I woke Mary Lynn up to tell her this. It was, <laughs> here she is. It was, it, oh well. It was National Hug a Musician Day. So maybe next year. Well, uh, but what a great day. And then I knew I was in good uh, standing when this morning over breakfast she said, now is this National Hug Your Favorite Pastor Day? And I said, oh yeah, I'll declare that. <laughs> it's all good. It's great for us to be together and sharing life together. Uh, after the worship service, we've got post-fellowship, some um, coffee, cookies, and we're encouraging folks. Uh, it looks like we can have you bring home-baked offerings, just make things so that we can take a wrapper and pick them up cleanly and stuff. We're learning to navigate COVID. We're glad to be able to do that again. Uh, follow up with the pastor after the service. I'll be interacting with people about the sermon, questions you have to ask, things like that. Uh, Monday night, please be aware, uh, at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary or by live stream, uh, we'll have a budget meeting. There's been some round tables. I'm thankful for the way celebration has turned out to be a part of that so we can share information and ask, answer questions. Um, but that happens again uh, Monday night in a big way. So trying to keep everybody aware of and informed. You know, we're, we're still learning how to navigate ministry in COVID. And as more folks are vaccinated and immunities go up and all these kind of things, uh, we're able to do some more things. And you'll see that reflected in the um, uh, announcements and stuff. For us at Hardawike, we're going to continue to monitor things and make good decisions. We had to kind of alter our children's ministry offerings today. Um, we're aware in the community, you know, up in Nuevo, they had to close a whole school system. So those kind of things happen. We're just going to navigate this together. Uh, yesterday, our craft sale, we had a great turnout. Very thankful for that. It's a fundraiser for short-term missions. Our Wednesday evenings are beginning to pick up steam with gems and cadets and various groups. And you'll see coming up, holiday services, Thanksgiving Day, uh, several things around Christmas, all of those things. And I just encourage you, as we begin to figure out how to open up and do ministry, as we take these steps, I encourage all of you, identify and manage your own risk. Know what that is. Some of you have immunocompromised issues you need to do. For, for me personally, I tend to encounter a lot of different people through the week. Sometimes on very short notice, I'll get a call and need to be in a hospital with somebody. Or uh, I'm working with a lot of people who are medically vulnerable. So that's part of the risk that I manage. But so you want to manage your risk and love your neighbor. What are their needs? What are their risks? How do you take care of one another? Like I said, I tend to be extra careful. I got 
boosted this week, so I'm up to Superman status or whatever they give you for that. I was just waiting for my little pin. Um, but we'll manage this together with encouragement and love. Does that sound like a reasonable goal? It is for me, and that's where we're going. Some announcements that we have slides for. Uh, we're going to have a number of spiritual formation resources that we're collecting on the internet, making available to you on our website. One of them, actually two, I'm holding two and saying one. You'll see this there. There's links all around. It's at the center of what I'll say in the sermon. A God-given abilities, a spiritual gift, self-assessment. You can spend about, oh, five or 10 minutes kind of working through a number of questions, total that up and get some possible ideas for how God is at work in your life. And then that's what these definitions are about. I've put some of these little booklets out there. You can get them on the uh, website. We're going to talk about it more in the after service Q&A. So this is resources for what we're doing in the sermons in each of our three communities. So be aware of those resources. Second thing, um, Thanksgiving Day, we'll gather here at 10 o'clock. Our goal is to include a walk-on choir. And as I recall, there'll be a rehearsal at nine, and, and then boom, we just uh, go there and sing in that service, figuring our way out. I understand we've got nine instrumentalists, I, exciting and good things happening. Finally, uh, I want you to be aware of how you can connect online. If you'll just text the word connect to this phone number, you'll get a form and you can let us know if you'd like our weekly email, a call from me, um, any number of things. So do stay in touch with us as we do things. Before we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, and if you've worshiped with us or watched us uh, on the live stream, you know that I've grown to deeply love this expression of our faith. I'm going to ask question and answer number 51 today, and we've been doing it all month. How does this glory of Christ our head benefit us? We'll say first through his Holy Spirit, he pours out gifts from heaven upon his members. Isn't that interesting? He pours out heavenly gifts. Now, it's easy for us to read that and think, oh, you know, boy, I've got such a gift in this house or a wife who loves me or a beautiful day back when we were having those. And you think of those as the gifts of God. But if you'll look on the Heidelberg Catechism at the footnote for what scriptures it wants to point to, that statement points to Ephesians 4. And let me just read to you from Ephesians 4 from the reference in the Heidelberg Catechism. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ determined. Grace or gift. And then it goes on to say, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So grace has been given to establish these offices so that they can go be good professional Christians for us. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. God gives grace gifts so that we might serve and in that way mature. That's what the writers of the Heidelberg Catechism had in mind, as you look at the footnotes, 
and what's involved with that. That's why I'm using these questions during this sermon series. Let's confess our faith using this great instrument, the Heidelberg Catechism, question 51 and 53. I'll begin. How does the glory of Christ our head benefit us? First, by his Holy Spirit. He pours out heavenly gifts upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends and preserves us against all enemies. Question 53, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith, he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits. He comforts me and will remain with me forever and ever. Let us receive this music.
thank you. I'm always appreciative of the reminder. One of the things for me is that the body of Christ and what God is doing is bigger than any one congregation. I thank you for the congregations they represent and for our chance to share that together uh, on this day and in this way. Uh, as we get settled in, yeah, I'll let y'all have a seat and then we'll turn to the Lord in prayer. Uh, his goodness and kindness to us in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way you are at work in this place and indeed to the utter ends of the earth. We can celebrate your presence and ministry here and we can pray not only here but to the furthest reaches on the planet, to the darkest prisons, to the brightest pulpits, to every place that the gospel will be made known in this 24 hours, this particular Sabbath. We thank you that you have called us as a part of Hardwike. So we pray for this ministry, Father, the various expressions of your work here, whether short-term or long-term missions, whether our daily discipling, uh, whether the support that makes things happen. In all these things, Father, we ask in your mercy that you be present to move in power. In this moment, we pray for Pastor Aaron and for the ministry next door at Watershed as they uh, make Jesus known build that community that's a part of us. We pray for fusion and for Pastor JB as he'll bring the word of God this day, encourage and strengthen your people. And for Mission and Pastor Florencio, that'll be right here in a few hours. Thank you for that reminder as he preaches in the Spanish language of your goodness to all people. Father, as celebration, we pray for one another. Give us words of encouragement. Give us reminders through the week to make phone calls, to stop in, to share encouragement. We pray particularly for Beth and for John as they navigate this season. For Gene, home now with he and Dottie, um, be encouragement for them. For Marianne, Father, again, home from the hospital and recovering. And for Dawn and the whole DeVries family, Father, in the midst of this loss, we pray your encouragement and strengthening for them. Thankfulness for a life well lived with Mark. You've gathered us as your people, Father. And so uh, in this gathering, we give a moment, I encourage you, in just the silence of your own heart to pray and to intercede for those with needs, whether uh, direction or encouragement, healing, conviction, Whatever the work of the Spirit might be in their heart, we join that in intercession. Father, each week, as your word instructs us, we pray for those in authority over us. And so this week in our cycle, we pray for the Heart of White Council. As they will uh, meet, we'll have this meeting uh, related to the budget. Thank you for your provision. Every time I think about navigating COVID, and the way you have used your people to keep this ministry making Jesus clear. Thank you for your, the support of your people, Father. But as we gather in that way to, again, consider this part of our life together, be present and guide those uh, in decision-making places. We pray too, Father, for the missionary work of Heart Awake. I know we have missionaries around the globe, many in places that we cannot mention publicly like this. We support, with yesterday's craft fair, our short-term missions, our direct involvement as we send people 
to Dominican Republic or Honduras or Ireland. We thank you for the safe evacuation from Ethiopia for the family of Chuck and Mary's daughter. They were there as educators. I think of my own friends in Beirut who've had to pull back to the States as that financial center of the Middle East has essentially collapsed. We pray for the kidnapped missionaries held for ransom by a gang in Haiti. We see them as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray you'd be encouragement right down to the youngest, Father. Use them and protect them and guide them. Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in fresh and powerful new ways for us. We thank you that your word teaches us that the Spirit will be at work to bear fruit in our lives, the character and the personality of Jesus. For Paul writes in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is agape love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, Father, I do pray that in this tumultuous time that your people would be marked by the presence of your Holy Spirit to bear fruit, that there'd be more kindness because of our presence, that there'd be more self-control because of the church, that there'd be a deeper gentleness because you were at work among your people. And we pray too, Father, that your Holy Spirit would empower your people through heavenly gifts, like the Heidelberg Catechism says, equipping us for joining the mission that Jesus is in right here in our time and place. Father, increasingly as your people were a a minority on mission in the midst of a very antagonistic culture, but we are there with you for you promise that you will be with us to the end of the ages. So give us the fruit of your spirit, kindness and gentleness. Empower us with the gifts of your spirit to serve and to make Jesus known. And in that, may we discover you deeply as we join you in mission. Bind us together as a people who pray together, Father, and hear our hearts and voices as we pray, just as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, this is the third in a four-week series. I call it Joining the Joy because one of the things I have experienced and observed in the course of years of ministry is that as people find the right place to serve for the right reason in the right way, they experience the same joy that I find in ministry. And so the goal here is to discover that joy of growing in Christ and serving. Now, this morning, uh, we've been reading from the book of Romans 12. I'm going to move to a different passage. We'll look at 1 Corinthians 12. And again, I'll take just a moment. I'll refer through the course of the sermon to a a self-assessment. You can pick this up there or in our uh, group meeting right after the service. 
this is just a series of questions. You kind of self-assess to see, am I this way? Am I not that way? Do I enjoy this? Do I not? And it helps give you a sense of where God might be at work in your life in a specific way. And then this is just matched to that. And there's teaching and instructions about various gifts. It's a good way to dig in. If we were doing an eight-hour seminar, I would unpack this much more with you. Right now, I can just kind of hand it off. But you'll see, like I opened up here, and it talks about the gift of helps. We'll learn more about that. Uh, It gives you a literal Greek meaning, a description of it, distinctives about people with this gift, traits that are a part of that, but also cautions. You know, sometimes people with a particular gift, you get so focused on that that it, there's some cautions you need to have um, and also references. So this helps you, once you kind of get a sense of what God might be doing, this helps you dig in. And I'm happy to talk with folks through the week more about that, understand it, because this, you see, is I believe the pathway. How do you get from where we are deeper into the joy of being with Christ? So the scripture for this morning is the second great passage in the New Testament related to spiritual gifts. It's 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Now, I'm not going to read all of that, just selected verses from chapter 12, but I do want to say this. If you read Corinthians, you see that 12, 13, and 14 are one section. Most folks know chapter 13. That's what Paul wrote in the Bible so we could have weddings. Actually, what Paul wrote about love is at the center of what he wrote to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. So keep that in mind and follow with me, if you will. I'll read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You see, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm going to take just a moment. Let's go back to that, but turn to the person next to you and say, I think you're one of the ones. Will you say that to the person next to you? I think you're one of the ones. That's the good news. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, go on. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, think about this, Paul says. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them with a special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should, be, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of what Jesus did at the cross, you've rescued us from the situation of broken image bearers, and you've called us into a new state of deeply loved, fully adopted children of the great creator king. And as members adopted into your family by the grace of Jesus, you have promised to equip each one of us to be a part of your mission, to be stronger together than we could ever be individually, and to love one another as together we serve in your presence. Thank you for the way you spoke through the Apostle Paul to summarize all that the Bible taught in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and to give us insight into how it worked out in his churches in Rome and Corinth so that we know how you want to guide us here in Holland in this day. Thank you for the way you preserved the text after Paul wrote them, and even now we turn to them. Guard your people from my brokenness, which is abundant, but even in that... May Jesus be clearly seen and lifted up. Thank you for his kindness and love to us. Holy Spirit, illumine us, our hearts and minds, that we might get more than simply words from a page, but that we'd hear your still small voice speaking of your great love and good purposes for everyone in this room, everyone who can hear my voice. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said together. Amen and amen. Well, I want to go back and touch some things. You'll remember that um, when we began our first week, I wanted to introduce a particular idea that I would call uh, servant profile. It pulls a lot of biblical things together, but it's this idea that when God has redeemed us by his grace, he gives us a new heart, and with that heart comes a passion for something. So I talked about new heart passion. Some people will have a passion for missions, others for children's ministry, others for worship. Each will have a different passion that comes from the new heart God gives us. That answers the what question. What is a good place for you to serve? There's also the uh, spiritual gifts. I call them grace gifts, divine enablements where the Spirit of God equips our passionate hearts to actually do and to serve. And then the third leg in that milking stool, if you will, new heart passion, grace gifts. Third was personality or personal style. How is it that you kind of work out? Extrovert, introvert, organized, spontaneous. All those things are just part of the personal personality and character that God gives us. 
Well, the thing I want to see, help you to see today is the importance of the spiritual gifts, the empowerments. And so we're going to look at those. But let me also help you recognize the fruit of the Spirit, just as we prayed, and Paul lays out in Galatians 5, is the work of the Spirit in every believer. It's the work of the Spirit to help shape our personality after Jesus, the character of Jesus, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. The gifts of the Spirit are the same Spirit, same people, but a different work. He empowers us to serve, to glorify God and benefit others. So occasionally folks will say, well, which is more important? the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. Or maybe we just feel more comfortable with the fruit of the Spirit. Actually, I would love to have a lot of folks who are gentle and kind and self-controlled this day and time, wouldn't I? But I want to tell you something. Both are works of the Spirit that he gives to his church and his people. And just as an NFL football player, if they want to make a difference on the field, they need to have both legs functioning So it is, as believers, we need to see the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives, give us the character of Jesus, and we need to be discovering and seeing the gifts of the Spirit, empowering us to serve other folks. Both are needed, and it's important that we see that. I'm going to focus today on the gifts of the Spirit, but not because the fruit is unimportant. It's just because we only have one day. I need to get everybody home by, what, 3 o'clock? We'll skim over these things, all right? The first, I'm just going to begin to read into your hearing some of the grace gifts that are listed in the Bible. Um, We would have read about them in previous weeks. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. We have different gifts, Paul says. You see, he says about the same thing to the church in Rome that he does in Corinth that we heard this morning. According to the grace gift, just like we saw in the Heidelberg Catechism, who knew? Paul would quote the Heidelberg Catechism too. You, you know what I'm pointing to. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So listen to those gifts in Romans 12. Prophesy. Serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy. You can see how those would be divine enablements that help the body, help the church care for one another and reach their community. Let's read from the book of 1 Corinthians, that second passage. To one there is giving through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, that's the same one that he mentioned to Romans, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. So Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, has another list of gifts, message of wisdom, knowledge, a special faith, healing, miracles. He repeats the one prophecy that he did with Romans. Discernment, tongues, interpretation. Later on in verse 28 of that same chapter, he writes, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, 
of guidance, or better, the word I think is administrating, and different kinds of tongues. He again points out some new ones. He repeats prophets, teachers, miracles from earlier, helps, which is like service in Romans, but a new one here, administration. Now here we have two lists of gifts with a little bit of overlap. Had we the time, we could study the Bible and see all of these gifts functioning in the Hebrew Bible. We could dig in and learn what they would look like in our own um, expression and time. But here's the lessons I want us to get from these two different lists, Romans and 1 Corinthians. The lessons are this, different churches have different lists. Now breathe deep and think about this. Different churches have different lists. Rome had one list. The church in Corinth had another. It's as if Paul, since he knew both, both churches, knew how God was empowering this church to serve, and he knew how God was empowering that church to serve, and he could point to different lists of gifts in different things. It's almost as if no two churches have the same list of gifts because no two churches are called to the same ministry and no two churches are gonna have identical empowerments. I wanna tell you something. I've got friends, I've been in places, I've heard times where folks would study through the whole Bible and come up with a list of gifts. If you do that, there's 27, depending on how you do it. And they'd say all 27 of those gifts need to be functioning all the time, everywhere. That doesn't seem to be the case for Paul, though. He would see a church and say, these are the gifts I see functioning there. He'd see another church and see those gifts. You see, God gives the church what is needed for ministry, right where they are. He wants to equip them, Rome and Corinth, with what they need for his mission. And so you're going to see the gifts and there'll be some overlap. But we should never be surprised that different churches, different local bodies have different sorts of gifts. Let me give you a concrete example of this. Um, I spent years in ministry in the far south Louisiana, right on the Gulf Coast among the French-speaking Cajuns. And while we were there, God moved in an amazing and powerful way. The church was six times larger in six years than it was at one point. Can you imagine? It grew dramatically in size. There were many conversions, people who did not know Christ who uh, through the course of that time did. And so we had a tremendous commitment to basic discipling. In that church, we began to see gifts of evangelism and teaching and intercession as we were seeing God bring his gospel to the people and to the needs to equip that ministry to what we had. That season was over. We moved the family to Mount Pleasant, Michigan, right there at Central Michigan University. Now, let me tell you something. The Cajun coast of Louisiana is really different than Central Michigan University. And we shouldn't be surprised that many of the gifts that were so key to ministry in one place, it was a different set of gifts in another place. In Mount Pleasant, um, over time, we saw the impact across 
our county and surrounding counties of a huge vacation Bible school. It's fascinating. Um, by about the time this thing really took flight, we had about 450 people at our worship services. For a week in the summer, we had 450 children and 200 adult volunteers. Imagine. Now, I've led a lot of vacation Bible schools. I've never had the people on my team from Vacation Bible School come to me on Thursday and say, oh, pastor, next week could we do two weeks? Next year could we do two weeks? Usually by Thursday, you're trying to keep people from wounding one another. <laughs> so I knew something was going on and it was God, but you know what was happening? God gave the calling to reach families in that way and in that time and in that setting. And so he gave the gifts we needed. Administrators were administrating, teachers were teaching, service people were serving, we were sharing the gospel. Mary Lynn was a, a teacher of one of the grades in that context. She'd have 50 kids. What would you do with 50 fifth graders? The first thing that comes to me is arm. But she wanted to teach them. She got a great teaching gift for those kids. She would find five adults who would work with her. She could do the teaching, make sure it was on track and Jesus focused. There'd be five adults who'd have groups of 10 kids. And she discovered that she could even have mothers who'd never been in church, because we had all kind of families and broken families. This was not just church people, we were in the community. There were single moms bringing their kids for a first time to a church and they'd stay to see what had happened. And you know what? Mary Lynn could teach, another worker could work with a small group of kids so they were carefully shepherded, and people who would usually never walk into the church would hear the gospel. And they could be involved. You need people to help with crafts. One of the things I discovered is if you've got a teacher, you want them to teach. It's a different gift than it is just doing the crafts. You see, in Homa, God began to give us the divine enablements we needed for the ministry he had there. And in Mount Pleasant, he gave us a different set of enablements for the ministry he had there. There is no cookie-cutter answer or list of gifts for all churches everywhere at all times. Not in my conviction. Let God lead and let God surprise you. The key thing that I would want you to pick up as we study about these gifts is don't limit God. You know, I've seen function, every gift list, listed in the Bible, except one. In my time, I've seen it function biblically, edifyingly, every gift you could leave. I've seen it. Now, there was a time before where I hadn't seen that gift, and there's a time after that. All but one. You know what the one gift I haven't seen? Martyrdom. Every other one I've seen. So don't limit God. Before I saw some of these gifts operate, I'd never seen them. After I saw God do that, I said, whoa, God can do it. It's like, it's like he's God or something. He can do almost whatever he wants. He'll give you what you need. Now, I mentioned 27 gifts or so, and we, I would include some that we don't have on this assessment. But let's just read the scripture real quickly to hear some of these other gifts. Um, in Exodus chapter 31, three, 
we read, and I, that is the Lord, has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. Now, friends, that's in the book of Exodus. Exodus 31.3. What should we learn from that? Well, I, I want you to see this, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit have been at work throughout the Bible. Anyone who tells you that gifts began to function with Pentecost, smile politely, but they don't understand the Bible. Here's Exodus, and God is giving the gift of craftsmanship. That's what he's described there. They don't simply begin at Exodus. I'm sorry, they don't simply begin at Acts. They function all through the scripture. Let me go back to these. On, we'll just read some other gifts that are part of this. 1 Peter 4.9. Let me read this. Peter writes, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. It's one sentence and he speaks about use your gift even as he's speaking about hospitality. You know, you're welcome to stop by anytime you want. You can join me watching the football game, hit the fridge if you like. But what you really want is to stop by when Mary Lynn's there. Different gift than what I have. Do you see how that functions? We could read on. First. Uh, Corinthians chapter 13. Let me press on in my slides so we see these things. Yeah, here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Paul writes, if I give all I possess to the poor. See, because chapter 12, 13, and 14 are teaching about gifts, I can give all I possess to the poor. I think poverty can be a spiritual gift to live with joy on very little money. It's a gift that many missionaries have had received from God. He goes on to say, and if I give over my body to hardship, the word is better translated, my body to be burned. This is a description I'm sensing of the gift of martyrdom. Uh, Jesus speaks in Matthew 18, 12, and he says, some live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I think that's an example, an expression, a description of a gift that I'd call celibacy. These are empowerments, enablements of the Holy Spirit that will glorify God and edify others. There's some benefits, and Paul talks about that, to not having the concerns of a family. Catholic schools in the inner city of New Orleans were able to do ministry in a way that very few other schools were because they had a whole staff that had taken a vow of poverty. You see, there'll be times that the gifts enable us to do and to be more than we could ever imagine. So in terms of identifying these gifts, don't think that an assessment like this tells you what your gifts are. This is meant to just kind of stimulate your thinking, get some things, consider, Here's what I want you to do. When it comes to identifying the gifts in your life, look for impact. What do I do that glorifies God and comes to the benefit of others? Impact, really key. How about the affirmation of others? One of the things I really yearn for is that celebration might be a, a place where people can find their way 
into joining the journey closer to God. And along the way, we should be able to affirm and help other people recognize where God is at work. Because when that happens, there's this I feel his pleasure moment. You remember a movie from years ago, Chariots of Fire, the Scottish racer Eric Liddell in the um, Olympics. When he ran, I feel his pleasure. He didn't run for self-fulfillment. He didn't live for self-fulfillment. He lived for God. But he discovered that as he ran, he felt the pleasure of God. And that's the way the gifts are. They will equip and empower us. And there's joy in that, not because it's our end goal, but because there God is at work in us. I want to close, and those are some resources for you. I want to close by telling you a story about my dad. And you've heard me mention my dad. He's a solid, regular kind of guy. Grew up in a German immigrant family in New York. Uh, I remember he would tell the story of my grandfather. We are in America now, and we're free. So you will go to college, and you can be any kind of engineer you want. I'm thinking, man, that kind of self-actualizing individualism never quite got to my great-grandfather. <laughs> but my dad grew up in that. He went to college, became an engineer, went to the Marine Corps, was an engineer with them, got a, got a job afterwards and raised us, loved us, real quiet guy. But he did real well in his career. He used to tell us, you know, whenever we're in a meeting and a job comes up that nobody else wants, I take that. Because if I'm doing the stuff that's got to get done that nobody wants, they can't fire me. <laughs> Whoa. So he did his work. He had come to know Christ in an interesting way in college, made sure we heard the gospel. We went to church. It's very affirmative for me as a minister growing up. But he didn't really have a sense of what God had called him to do. He, he gave. He supported, he was encouraging, but it wasn't until he finally retired from his career and his church was sending people into short-term missions and he just thought that was really important. He'd always given money to that, so he started going and he was so kind of, could never ask people for money. He, he could give it away, but he couldn't ask for it. So he'd pay his way on these short-term missions thing. And I remember he went to the first one, and we asked Dad when he got back, so how was it? He said, oh, it's interesting. I'm in a different country, and I saw these things. Our team helped support this evangelist. They started a new church in this place. Wow, it was so cool. So what did you do, Dad? Oh, I don't know. I just kind of hung around and, and watched. But then there was another short-term missions and he went on that and another one. And then they started inviting him and saying, uh, we're thinking about these two dates. When can you come with us? So I knew something was up. I knew the pastor at this church. And I remember asking one of the people who went on a mission team with my dad. It was a high school friend of mine. He'd grown up and he was a dentist. And so they went to the Dominican Republic on this trip, met doctors and dentists. And I said, Chip, you know, dad seems to enjoy these things. What, what's going on? He said, oh, your dad is amazing. When he's on our team, the electric generators work the whole time. Usually I can use my tools for about two hours and the generator breaks. And then I've got to figure out how to make it work. When he's there, the generators work. I can work 12, 14 hours a day. Our surgeons are doing their work. 
the motorcycles work. So if you need to send body, send somebody down the mountain to get some stuff, they get right on and come back. Your dad can make anything run. Our whole mission team is 10 times more effective. And so I pushed my dad about that. He said, oh yeah, I play around with the motors, but I want to tell you, sometimes when God is at work through you, you don't even recognize it just seems so much of who he made you. It wasn't until later that a church began to help him identify, you've got a gift of craftsmanship and you can edify people, you can advance the kingdom of God. We're not gonna ask you to do dental work. Just keep the generators running. See how that team works? Eventually, as he began to get the hang of that, he started building these beautiful kneelers. Now, my dad would tell you that he really didn't learn to pray much until I turned 14. And I always said, you had to pray a lot more when Steve came along, didn't you, my little brother? But dad started making these kneelers. And the prayer room in his church was filled with these, and they would pray with people and for people. They had them in particular places during the service. And you could walk in immediately, and you could tell that that church valued prayer because something beautiful was there to support the prayer ministry. This is how the gifts operate, friends. It may be feeling very natural to you. It may be different. But when God is at work, Jesus is glorified. Others are edified. It binds us together and great things happen. That's why I want to invite you into the great work of God to know Jesus and to sense his love for you as he empowers you to be a part of the greatest thing on the planet, letting the world know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, the door of adoption is open. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what good news to think that you would take us as broken people. And because of what Jesus did at the cross, we can enter in to deeply loved, fully adopted children of the great creator king, and that you will use us as part of your mission on this planet. You'll give us gifts. You'll grow your character in us, but those gifts will empower us to effectively reach people with the good news of Christ. I pray, Father, that you'd help all of us to have a sense of where you're at work in us to your glory. Help us to encourage in others where you're at work in them to your glory. Uh, Father, thank you that your love is bigger than the mistakes we'll make. Uh, teach us where we need your fruit to rest in you, to see you bear it. Thank you for the adventure you've called us into. I, I know sometimes the world just seems so broken and overwhelmed, but in Christ, You've called even such as us to be a part of the great work of restoration and reconciliation. Use us in that regard and fill us with great hope that in all things you might be glorified, loving Father. We give you thanks and pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? And amen. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Let's stand.
and from the words of Paul in 2 Thessalonians, receive the blessing of our God. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word.